I think one of the maybe an illusion is that if you did every single thing in this book, you would write a novel that's a breakout novel and you will go on to the bestseller list. And that's simply not true. Taylor Stevens, the New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of the kick-ass Vanessa Michael Monroe thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. Taylor, one of the ways we learn to kick our writing in the butt is through reading, not just reading other fiction or books of the type that we write, but by reading books on writing, and that's going to be the topic of today's show, some of your favorite books. That's the only way I know how to kick writing, but <laughs> that's how I learned how to do it. And thankfully, you've read all these books, and you can share your knowledge with us, and so we can kick writing in the butt as well. But I want to kick cross-promotion in the butt for a little while, and over the course of the last couple of episodes of one of the Taylor Stevens episodes and an episode of The Author Biz— um, we did some cross-promotion, and I've gotten a lot of feedback about it. I've gotten a lot of people who have said, oh, I didn't know you were doing a show with Taylor Stevens, and I'm like, I just wanted to That's, bang my head on which, the desk. Which is really interesting because – well, I mean interesting for me because your show has a much wider audience than mine does. So I'm like, oh, now they know I have a show. Well, I talk about it I, – I feel like I talk about it all the time, and that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this promotion thing because it's something that as authors we all goes we all go through as well. We all see those people that just spend all of their time on social media saying, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book, and we know that's not cool. Yeah, and also you and I, both of us, we have an aversion to doing that. So it's almost like we, we have an have aversion to, to self-promotion. I have no problem promoting you, and you have no problem promoting that's me. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant, self-promotion. Yes. Um, so anyway, I feel like I talk about the Taylor Stevens show all the time, and I know I've talked about it a half dozen times anyway, which is obviously not all the time on 115 episodes. <laughs> and you've been on – four or five times, so I know we talked about it then as well, and we talk about it on the Taylor Stevens show. But again, I got all these, oh my gosh, I didn't know you were doing a show on Craft with Taylor Stevens. I subscribed, and oh, I, that show is great. I'm so happy you mentioned it. And so I'm like, oh, well, that's good. So in this week's Author Biz show, I had a guest on, Justin Sloan, who is a member of another group, 20 Books to 50K, that I'm a part of. And so I posted the show in that group. If I, if I do a show with someone who's prominent in a group, I'll always post inside that group. And I almost never post the shows in the Author Biz group unless uh. there's a guest that's a member of the Author Biz or someone where I know there's going to be a lot of questions, uh, like it's a technical show or something. Or yeah, I don't really post the podcasts in the Taylor Stevens fan club group either. Well, let me tell you what happened. So okay. yesterday I posted in 20 books to 50K, and I mean, that's an enormous group. It's like 9,000 people. And so there was an expected amount of feedback on that. But one of the comments I got was from Carol, who is also a prominent member of the Author Biz group and the Taylor Stevens group. And she said, oh, you're posting it here, but you don't post it in your own group? <laughs> and I said in reply... 
I typed in reply. I assume that everyone that's in the AuthorBiz group is already subscribed, and I, I'm uncomfortable posting it in there. And she said, even your best friend wants to be invited to the barbecue. And it took Aww. me a minute to get that. But, but when I did, I thought, hmm, that's interesting. So I jumped on. This was last night. I jumped into the AuthorBiz group and posted a three-question survey or a, a one-question survey with three answers. And it's basically okay. outlining what I've just said. I don't normally post in here, and these are the reasons why. I assume that you're getting it in other places. Let me know. And I, I said, my feelings are not at stake here. <laughs> um, so let me know, should I post? And the, I think the three answers were, yes, please post it here. No, I get it in other places. And three was, oh, you have a podcast? Because there are, oh, lot, there are some people in there that don't know that there's a podcast. They just find the okay. group because of the, of the name. So the response was 56 to two post in the group. And what was the two? Those were two people who said I subscribed through my podcast app and I get it anyway. Did anybody say, oh, you have podcast? No, no one did that. <laughs> well, so, at least you know that. At least you know that. I get, I get that from new people that join the show from time to time who, who will essentially say, oh, I just found out you have a podcast. I'm going through some of the old episodes. And I'm, I, I'm of course, thrilled by that. But I was stunned by the response to this, 56 to 2. Yeah. Um, I can't do the math if it was like, 48 to 2, I could do it easily, but it's it's a pretty big number in, in favor of doing it. So um, maybe we should do the same thing in your group. Oh, was that whole long thing just to get me to do something? No, 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 no. I know better than that. Because, <laughs> guys, no, no, Steve does that to me. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. And I'm sitting there the whole time going, all right, what's his agenda on this? <laughs> but he had me here because I thought he was talking to our audience. <laughs> I am talking to the audience. So um, that's a way of saying that you might find the episodes posted in the Taylor Stevens group a bit more often than they have been which is almost not at all um, yes. because well, we just don't post, post them. them. And I appreciate that because yes. it saves me from having to self-promote. But Yes, yeah, yes. And then we don't it. look like we're spamming the members of our group, which is what it feels like. But uh, among the comments that I got were, um, yes, I subscribe, but when I see what the topic is and it's right in front of me, I'm more interested in reading it than when I see a, a single sentence thing on the phone. Interesting. So, That's fascinating. Yeah. And, and the other thing they said was another great reason to post it is that we can discuss the show. In the, oh. in the comments, which... Well, see, and that's one for me of the Taylor Stevens fan club group is because in the author biz, for example, everybody in there is really, like, they're authors who are looking to... Um, they're interested in that topic, whereas in the Taylor Stevens fan club, not everybody's a writer. There's that's a lot true. of people who are just fans. So, you know, I don't want to overwhelm them. But then again, this show is geared... Even though it's geared for writers, we try and have these types of conversations in them, too, so that the fans can... Keep up with non-writers. Hey, you started this whole thing with your email list, so don't back away from it now. 
<laughs> you started offering writing information and publishing yes. information on your reading list. And that's why lots of us are big fans of yours. So anyway, that's enough about promotion and self-promotion. Well, let me wrap it up with, with a quick bow. And that is if you're concerned about promoting your own books, as I think as long as you're not doing the buy my book, buy my book, buy my book, you're probably not promoting enough because that was that was the feedback that I got. Um, wow. with my with my little non-scientific survey. So let's get to today's topic, and we'll talk about books of another type. Okay, on, on Patreon a week or so ago, you did a video where you were holding up copies of books that you liked, and um, I, I thought it would be interesting. I know it's something we talked about doing a show about, a podcast about, and we have talked about some of the books that you have found particularly helpful in the past, but you went into a number of books that I didn't know that you'd read and enjoyed. So that's sort of the topic of the show. What what books have influenced you most? And I also posted in the Taylor Stevens fan club group a book that influenced me and got some feedback from people with some of their favorite books. So we'll get into some oh, of those cool. as well. I discovered when I was doing that video that I have more how to write books than I thought that I did. And I What's funny is that a lot of these I haven't picked up for years and years and years. But th when I first started, as longtime listeners know, and anybody who's on my mailing list knows, I didn't have any clue what I was doing. I didn't have an opportunity to go to take writing courses, and um, I didn't. I just knew nothing. And the the longer story, I put that on the video. But because of that, I, I sought out knowledge from, you know, writing books. It was all I had. And so for me, the granddaddy of them all is the Gotham Writers Workshop, Writing Fiction. It's a practical guide from New York's acclaimed creative writing school. And I ended up with this book because, and again, cutting a long story very short, the full thing is on that video. This was basically assigned to me, and I was like, okay, well, I've always taught myself how to do everything. I'll just read the book and learn how to write, and I had to read it three times before I actually understood what it was saying. I mean, I understood the words, but where it actually made sense in a practical, this is what they're talking about, this is what it means when you do it sense. So for me, that is the granddaddy of them all. It was my writing Bible, and... I think I've bought about three copies of it because I've lent them out and they never come back to me. <laughs> that, that's a good, that's a sign that it's really good. When did you, when did you buy the first, your first copy? Um, it would have been within a couple of weeks of me having made the decision to, to quote unquote, write a book. But I don't actually know when that was. I keep meticulous notes, but I've, they weren't so meticulous back at the beginning and the earliest I have is like 2005 when I was already sort of into it. So I'm guessing either early 2005 or very late 2004 is when this would have taken place. Okay. All right. So it was well before the informationist. Oh, yeah. No, I was learning that. That's before I even had written anything on the informationist. I was like, well, if I'm going to write a book, I better learn how to write. And, and that's where that story, well, the whole long story came from that. And then... Um, the other book I have, I don't actually have with me because the same thing has happened to it that happens to this book all the time, is Stephen King's On Writing, which I love that book so much. Just It's so personal, and what I liked most about it was hearing his story of how he got 
published, uh, you know, just his his trials and travails and, you know, the struggles that he had. And then when he finally got got published, it was just like rain falling from heaven. And it, it's just so human. And when he talks about how to write, he doesn't get all hoity-toity. And it's like simple enough that someone with me, with my zero understanding of the mechanics of the English language can follow of what work, the best advice he had, the advice he'd have for other writers. And it's just a brilliant book. So it's at the top of my favorite list. And that book came up um, at least once in the in the comments in the uh, in the Facebook group, and one of the things I remember most about the book is the number of details that I remember because he's such an amazing storyteller. He he wraps the education inside a story, and the stories stay with you. Therefore, some of the education stays with you. It's just yes. it really is sort of a miraculous book. And I, I remember some of the scribbles and I remember where I was sitting, where I was reading some of the book. And that was one of the first books on writing I ever read. And I just thought every book on writing is going to be like this. This is going to be awesome to learn how to write my reading books. <laughs> <laughs> well, Not so much. <laughs> so um, in that same time period where I was learning I kind of, it all blends together in my head, but it kind of like, okay, I was living in XYZ place. So I know that I still had not finished writing a first draft of the informationist when I picked up this one it was called self-editing for fiction writers, how to edit yourself into print. And I didn't pick who's it the up. Who's the author of that? The author is Rennie Brown and okay. Dave King. All right. You know, that's funny because we didn't talk about this ahead of time. And I went through my list. Uh, I keep everything on a Kindle because I'm not like you. And um, so I, I went through my Kindle and looked at the books that I've read and referenced the most often and the ones that I remembered the most. And I thought, oh, I've never talked about this book. So it, it went on my list and I was going to talk about it today. So you're totally oh, stealing really? my thunder on this one. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you can talk about it. if you No, want go to. ahead. Go ahead. Well, um, when I picked this one up, I didn't pick it up thinking, oh, I'm going to edit myself into print. That didn't even get my attention. It was just on the shelf with writing books, and it was affordable. And it looked pretty good when I cracked it open, because I didn't even understand at that point the concept of editing. Like that's I know it sounds like I talk about myself like I'm mentally broken, but I really was just clueless about the whole thing. And it was like my journey was literally one word at a time, one foot in front of the other to get to where I understood things in terms of the industry and how how books are done. So for me, this was just like, oh, it looks good. It's got real uh, easy to understand language. And I like that they break down the right way and the wrong way, even though there's no like super there's no wrong way it's like what works for the story so they're talking about things that actually work what makes writing clean and i suppose they were doing grit elimination and that's something that i talk <laughs> about a lot is eliminating the grit and that's what this book was full of is is how to eliminate the grit in your writing i suppose and it's been a long time since since i've read it but as i crack it back open and i look at it and i'm like oh yeah that was great that was great oh yeah right on right on so it's a really good book, and I highly recommend it. I remember as I was going through it, I bought it because 
I wanted to self-edit something that I'd written, and I thought, this book will teach me how to self-edit. It did not teach me that at all. It maybe would have if I hadn't been so enthralled in the way that they described the way to do things. So it, while, where I was looking for editing tips, what I was in fact getting was, if you're doing it this way, you might want to think about doing it that way. Right. And and so my mind would just spiraled off into, oh, I, I can do this and I can do this. And, oh, I understand now how I can solve this problem. And so I never did really get into the self-editing part, but I learned a lot about the, the craft of writing from that book. There's one more editing book that I should have grabbed off my shelf and I didn't before I sat down. And maybe before the show's over, I can go and grab it. But it is just as good as that one. Um, it just approaches it from a slightly different direction. So if, if it's not on the show, we'll get it into the show notes. Another book that really had an impact on me as I was learning how to write was How to Tell a Story by Peter Ruby and Gary Provost. Provost, I don't know how to pronounce his name. But they're both, from what I remember, um, editors and authors. And, you know... We forget sometimes that writing is just as much about, like, a, a good novel, the writing is important, but the story is even more important. And so many, um, it's, it's impossible to teach one without teaching the other if you're really trying to teach how to craft a novel. And yet, so many books skip over one and don't touch on the other. So, how to tell a story doesn't really talk about how to write, but it does talk about all the aspects that go into really good storytelling. And so it kind of took me to a different level of having started with the writers, um, the Gotham Writers Workshop, because that's a very intense, very small print, heavily in-depth book. And this one is a little lighter and it focused specifically on the story aspect of things. And really broke down for me, you know, what genres were and why genres are important and, you know, the ask the parts of a story and and how to construct one. So that was how to tell a story. The secrets of writing captivating tales. <laughs> All right. While you're looking while you're going for the next one, I want to mention a couple of the ones that are listed in in the group that I know you're not going to mention. Carol mentioned a compilation of Lawrence Block's columns. Uh, they were compiled for Writer's Digest, and she found it at a library oh. sale. And I love the way Lawrence Block writes. That would be that would be a really fun and and interesting uh, thing to read. Uh, John Rossman wrote about. Well, he has. He says he has over 500 books on his Kindle, and most of them are craft books. And he actually wow. just took a screenshot. Uh, on his on his computer of all these craft titles and it's uh, it's it's impressive, <laughs> but he said wow. a couple of his favorites and uh, one of them and I wouldn't mind talking about this a little bit is Rachel Aaron's two thousand to ten thousand. Uh, he also talks he also mentions the snowflake and a book called Story Trumps Structure. Okay, which sounds a little bit like what you were just talking about, but a different title, of course. Yeah. Those are all I would I'm fascinated by them. And I, you know, I think like one of the biggest takeaways I'm taking away from what you just were talking about is how even those who have 
written and our writer and and our teachers still mm -hmm. are reading other people's works about the craft because they're on a, a quest to better their own craft. And so it's like it's a learning process that it's not like you never achieve it, but you're always still learning. It never ends. And not in a struggle sort of way, but in we're on a journey and we can we can do better. Yeah, it's one of the great things about about writing is that you can as long as your your mind will support you, you can keep improving. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So um, another book that I found really interesting was Writing the Breakout Novel by Donald Mass. And it's it's a book that I've read more than once. I read it before it got published, and I read it after I got published. And it has a lot of good qualities to it. For some people, it might seem a little basic. And others, it might be mind-blowing. And what I liked about it is that it's written by a literary agent who kind of looks at why some books just really connect with their readers and go on to sell very, very well, and what differentiates them from books that are just more run-of-the-mill, well-written books, but they don't, they don't break, break away. And I think one of the, maybe an illusion, is that if you did every single thing in this book, you would write a novel that's a breakout novel and you will go <laughs> on to the bestseller list. And that's simply not true. So if you go into it with that in mind, what you have here is sort of a map of elements that if you include them in your writing in a, in a sort of organic way, that it will create a much more profound reading experience for your audience. How about The Elements of Style by Strunk and White? Is that something that's on your list? I have it. Um, it must be on a different bookshelf. Um, I, I know that I have it. I know that I've read it. And I guess the reason why I don't bring it up is because everybody brings it up. Mm -hmm. And yes, absolutely. And especially for someone like me, who doesn't have the educational background of, I don't even have the fundamentals of high school English. It, it's critical. You read that and it educates you on things that you're like, oh, okay, now I don't have to look like an idiot. You know? Uh huh. So, yes, absolutely. I don't yeah. remember how far along I was into the writing process when I did read it, though. Um, and, I, and I do, <laughs> the one thing I specifically remember from that book is, at least I think it's from that book, where they, they talk about the fact that and how the fact that is not really necessary and you can, it's a useless words to delete the, to just delete it out. And I've tried so hard in my writing to adhere to that and I've had copy editors put the fact that back into my writing <laughs> after I've taken it out because it's, so, it's become so integral to the way that we convey information that when you do remove it, it feels like words are missing. And I just, I was like, how did they manage to pull that off? I don't understand. <laughs> well, one of the people in the group, Perry, said the most influential tip helps and hurts. And this is, this is from the Elements of Style. Cut out all, that's, he says cut out all necessary words. I think he means cut out all unnecessary words. Necessary words. 
when I have too many words for the assignment, it enables me to chop it down. But when I'm writing fiction, I fear it makes it harder to avoid choppy rhythm. Hemingway did it, but I haven't hit his level yet. <laughs> Maybe later <laughs> today. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That is so awesome. Um, well, yeah. And I think the problem also with needless words is unless somebody hands you a list, how do you know that it's unnecessary? And that's one of the things that was... I know, um, the, uh, I know unnecessary words from listening to The Taylor Stevens Show. <laughs> we know some Like if someone is standing, they're not standing up. They're just standing. Right. They're not sitting down. They're sitting. Um, they don't shrug their shoulders. They shrug. But in one of those so how to edit your own fiction books, I also distinctly remember watching them take them, the writers of that book, take pen and cross out stuff and show how you can take you can say the same thing with three sentences or you can take the most basic parts, the most important parts of those three sentences and combine them into one and how the fewer words gives you more power. And I've, I've not really had a chance to figure out how to teach that because I, I'm always just working on my own stuff. But I'm hoping as I go over more material with you, I'll have an opportunity to actually focus in on that at some point. And we can add it somehow maybe into we, you can add it into Hack the Craft. That, ultimately, that is always the end goal. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like this uh, this thing that's just floating out there in the future yeah. somewhere that it, we've been talking about for this pretty much that, since like the eighth show. Yeah, we'll cross the river when our burning ships and reach the shore of this land that is, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, do you have any more? I have one more that I pulled on and... I, I did talk about this more in depth on on the video, and it's not like it's been the most helpful book to me, but it did force me to really analyze and create a deeper depth to my characters, and it taught me one fundamental concept that I have just been harping on ever since, which was the, the, the inciting incident, or the, that one thing that if it had never have happened, this story wouldn't have happened. Even if it doesn't show up on the page, it's the thing that pulls the entire story together. That It's like the, the, the nucleus, right? And so this is by John Truby, and it's called The Anatomy of Story. And it the reason why I say it wasn't so helpful to me is just because it's so much. Like It goes over my head. It's so intellectual, and I'm just like, all right, I got what I could get, and I will leave this to people who are smarter than me. But I did get really good stuff from the parts that I got, and the you know understanding the critical importance of the the inciting incident was one of it. And the other is the questionnaire that I talk about sometimes that I put together for my own books uh, as I'm trying to sort out the plot. A lot of the the thought questions, the the thinking, the heavy duty thinking came from ideas in this book. So that's why I mention it, because some people might think it's the best thing since sliced bread. And that is The Anatomy of Story by John Truby. Any particular books, and you don't have to name them, but have you ever read a writing book that was just terrible? I've read writing books that I felt were unhelpful. That doesn't mean that they wouldn't be helpful to others. And there's one that I don't mind naming. I, if I knew the title of it, I would name it. And it's kind of a running joke 
from people on my mailing list and with me because in it, it's by John Gardner. And in the foreword, he talks about how this book isn't for everybody. It's for the artists and the intellectuals. It's not for the junk minds who write thrillers <laughs> or whatever. And I'm like, well, <laughs> thanks a lot, John Gardner. I guess I have a junk mind then. Um, but he was very condescending in that. And, and I laughed. I thought it was hilarious. But the, the truth is, I couldn't read it. It was so erudite. And I think that's how you pronounce that word. It was so lofty that it was useless to me. It wasn't practical. It was all head in the clouds stuffed with long sentences that didn't make any sense on a practical level of this is how you do this and this is why it works. So yes, I have come across highly recommended <laughs> writing books, but apparently my mind was too junky to get them. Too junked up and cluttered to, uh, to make sense of it all. So yes, Taylor, I think he calls us accidental pornographers. Really? Are you sure he's not talking about the other Taylor Stevens? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think we have covered the topic for this week. Have you come up with a topic for our episode 100? No, not at all. I'm relying on your genius for that. I actually have an idea. I haven't run it past you yet, and I have to because Ooh. it's something you're going to have to organize. Oh, no. And I know how. <laughs> That's why I'm waiting. I wait till the very last sunk, minute. And I then I sunk six inches into my chair like, oh, <laughs> my little rabbit ears just went, ooh. But that is our listener question for the week. If you could have us do anything for episode number 100, what would it be? Send an email, leave a comment, whatever. You know, call the hotline the usual ways. Let us know what you'd like us to do on episode 100 and save me from having to ask Taylor to put something special together. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're secretly hoping that you have to ask me to put something special together. You're all in on it, Steve. You're all in on it together. <laughs> all right. Uh, we will be back in your ear again next week. Thank you so much for listening. So glad you're with us. Beauty next week. <laughs>